Hello, YA and paranormal fans, and welcome to episode two of Sarah Hosey's Imagining Elsewhere. I'm Kayla, and this is CamCat Unwrapped. Previously on Imagining Elsewhere, former bully Astrid arrives in the creepy upstate town of Elsewhere with the intention of releasing her old ways and making new friends. But that plan goes out the window when she meets Candy Clifton, the teenage tyrant who holds Elsewhere in her thrall. After a rocky start, during which Astrid is humiliated in the cafeteria and wakes up dazed and confused on the soccer field, her Walkman missing, Astrid sees Candy at a mandatory town carnival where she meets Marcel. In this episode, we'll see if Astrid's new friend can help her navigate elsewhere without putting her in Candy's warpath. If you find yourself loving this book as much as we do, CamCat Unwrapped is hosting a giveaway this week where one lucky winner will receive the full audiobook of Imagining Elsewhere for free. All you have to do to enter is subscribe to our podcast, YouTube channel, or newsletter and answer a quick survey, all of which are linked in our bio. Each new subscription is one entry. So make sure you enter for your chance to win this book to live in. Enjoy! Chapter 8 Marcel pointed to the waiting woods. There are paths through here. There's somewhere we can go, if you're not scared. Astrid hadn't thought to be scared, although this last remark gave her pause as she followed Marcel toward the woods. It wasn't deeply dark yet, and the fading sunlight through the trees gave everything a soft, orange glow, making Astrid think of childhood Halloweens. The forest smelled of pine, damp leaves, and ferns. Should I be scared? Astrid asked. Marcel shrugged. My sense of what is scary is probably pretty warped, she said. But I'm not planning to murder you or anything like that. Astrid smiled. And that's probably more than I can say for some people I've met in elsewhere. Marcel snorted and smiled sadly. True. I was kidding, Astrid said. She stopped walking. Wait, do people really want to murder me? No, no, Marcel assured her. She patted Astrid's arm and the two proceeded down a narrow trail in the woods. Everyone is just trying to figure out where you'll fit in. She paused. You're on Candy's radar. You coming to town is one of the most unexpected things that's happened, well, in a very long time. Everyone's watching to see how it goes. So if I can give you some advice, don't be so combative. Be nicer? Marcel wrinkled her nose to show that she didn't like what she was saying either, but that it had to be said. She definitely didn't like the way you stood up to her in the cafeteria the other day. And maybe chill with the scowling? An explosion behind them made Astrid jump, she turned to see fireworks cascading over the tree line. She turned back to Marcel. The scowling? You aren't aware that you scowl? Marcel asked. The fireworks continued, and even though Astrid knew what they were, 
she still found herself cringing, just a bit, with each crackle and blast. I am now, Astrid said. She tried to imagine her face at that moment. She realized she was probably scowling. But she literally stole my Walkman, and it had my cure tape in it. Tight, I love the cure, Marcel said. I could almost cry meeting someone else who likes them. Nobody else here is interested in music at all, or else they like country. Except for my cousin, Milo. Do you know him? I don't think so. He says he has earth science with you. He's a junior? You'd know him if you saw him. He used to speak almost exclusively in lyrics from Smith's songs, she said. He's gotten a little more normal lately, but not by much. Astrid laughed. Smith's lyrics? That must be hard. It's easier than you might think when you live somewhere like elsewhere. Anyway, he'll be so excited to hear that you're into New Wave too, especially because it's impossible to get music here. Sometimes my dad will take us to the record store in Cobalt, but they have, like, nothing, so you have to order stuff in advance, which sucks. But do you have good tapes? Maybe we could dub each other stuff. We could make each other mixtapes. Footnote. In the 80s, if you wanted to share music with a friend, you had to have a double tape deck. For sure, Astrid said. They continued walking, Marcel talking about bands as they crunched through the leaves that layered the ground. The fireworks finally ceased, and the birds, which seemed to be perched on every branch of the ancient, towering trees, began their last songs of the evening. 10,000 Maniacs, Depeche Mode, Violent Femmes. Do you like any of them? Marcel asked. I like all of them, Astrid said, especially 10,000 Maniacs. Scooter stopped to inspect a small hole in the ground near a tree stump that must have had a particularly complex odor. Watching him, Astrid noticed a rock glinting in the light of the setting sun through the trees. She bent to pick it up. What's that? Marcel asked. Astrid rubbed the almost translucent rock clean against her jeans. A Herkimer diamond, she said, holding it out to Marcel. These are super cool. Pretty, Marcel said, taking the rock and inspecting it. Is it valuable? Maybe, Astrid said. I mean, it's not a diamond diamond, but a lot of people collect them. They're definitely good luck. I already have a couple. I'll clean this one up and give it to you. That's so nice, Marcel said, handing it back. She tilted her head to one side. See, you're not that bad. Astrid looked at Marcel, but then smiled when she realized she was being teased. She put the rock in her back pocket, feeling almost instantaneously restored or stronger somehow, just knowing it was there. Or maybe, Astrid considered, she was feeling the effects of having a pleasant time with a person who was not in her nuclear family. Astrid realized with a dull ache just how lonely she'd been, just how much she'd wanted a friend. Marcel gestured ahead. We're almost there. I want to show you before it gets too dark. Astrid followed as Marcel continued through the woods. You know these woods pretty well? Astrid asked. Yeah. I've been hanging around in them my whole life, Marcel said. I live over by the lake, not far from here. You probably know this, but 
Elsewhere is bordered by the lake on one side and the mountains on the other. These woods are right smack in the middle. I don't actually have any clue where we are, Astrid confessed, embarrassed a bit by her obvious lack of interest in her new neighborhood. But is it true there's only one road in and out of town? It is true, Marcel said. There used to be another one, but it was blocked off. I guess, you know, things are safer that way. Astrid frowned and was about to ask Marcel to elaborate. But at that moment, they came into a clearing. Ruins lay ahead of them. Crumbling walls set in a square suggested it was the shell of a stone house. Wow, Astrid said as they approached the fallen structure. This is cool. What is it? Marcel shrugged. Some people say that's the house the witches used to live in. She sat on one of the low walls while Astrid walked through the structure, recreating in her mind what it must have once looked like. There seemed to have been four rooms, and a gap in one wall had probably been a front door. It definitely feels a bit haunted, doesn't it? Not haunted, Astrid said, but there is something here. It's powerful, somehow? Marcel nodded. Astrid noticed a couple of cigarette butts and beer bottles, evidence of a fairly recent juvenile party, but otherwise the structure felt lonely and untouched. The rocks were exceptional. Astrid saw marble and a few other large stones that she didn't immediately recognize. She'd have to find her way back here and bring Cecile. So, witches? Astrid asked, raising an eyebrow. She joined Marcel and sat on a low wall. Scooter, freed from his leash, sniffed around. It's just an old story, Marcel said. And honestly, it's possible that they were just some spinsters that the Puritans didn't like. But basically, three sisters lived out here all by themselves, until one day the people from the local towns decided they needed to be taken care of. There had been some bad luck, an earthquake and a bad crop, a dead cow. The people blamed the witches, so they killed them, all but one. Astrid waited for Marcel to go on, but Marcel waved a hand dismissively before getting up and walking around. I really don't know that much about it. It's just a local legend. Wow, Astrid said. I don't think I've ever lived anywhere that had a local legend before. Marcel laughed. Yeah, well, elsewhere is pretty unique. Candyland, Astrid corrected her. And that's not actually the word I'd use. She inhaled the cool, damp air taking a moment to figure out if she could ask the questions that buzzed around her brain. She liked Marcel, and she even almost trusted her, although she was also afraid to push or press, afraid that, like a skittish animal, Marcel might startle and dart away. Were you in the cafeteria at lunchtime yesterday? Astrid asked tentatively. Marcel nodded and looked off, into the trees. Yeah. I might have thrown a hamburger at you. Sorry? Astrid frowned. Why? Why did you do that? You don't even know me. I did it because Candy said to. They sat in silence. The birdsong had died down, and Astrid shivered in the noticeably colder air. 
Do you have to do things that Candy says? Astrid asked. Yes, Marcel said. But how does, Astrid began. She's afraid of you, Marcel said, before Astrid could continue. Maybe it's because you're not from here. Maybe it's because you stood up to her. But you've got her nervous. And I'm hoping, some of us were thinking, Marcel trailed off. She sat back down on a low wall facing Astrid. What? Astrid prompted. Marcel looked Astrid in the eye. People have tried in the past, Marcel said, to stand up to her, to get rid of her, but it never works. They always wind up. Marcel broke eye contact. Scooter was standing on his hind legs, getting ready to jump into Marcel's lap. Astrid shivered. Are you asking me to murder Candy? Astrid asked, incredulous. You can't be serious. I guess we should head back, Marcel said. It's getting late. The other girl put Scooter's leash on him and stood. Astrid remained seated a moment longer, her face still scrunched up in disbelief. I don't even know how to respond. Forget it, Marcel said quickly, or don't. Maybe consider it. I'm not asking you to assassinate her. I'm just asking you to think about how you might, if you might. Marcel trailed off again. Everyone here has history, you know? We're all related and entwined in each other's lives. And we're so scared of her. But you aren't. Yet. You're new. And maybe you can, if you could only. It was really nice of you to, like, take me on this walk or whatever, Astrid said, standing. But just because I'm from downstate doesn't mean I'm in the mafia or something. I didn't, Marcel said. I'm sorry if I offended you. I'm less offended than confused, honestly, Astrid said. Let's head back, Marcel said. They walked mostly in silence, Astrid trying to mark her surroundings so that she'd be able to bring Cecile someday. She was surprised, however, that they only walked for a few minutes when she saw the main road in the near distance and some houses she recognized. They were about to emerge from an outcrop of bushes when Marcel grabbed her arm and pulled her back into the darkness. Concealed, they watched in silence as a police cruiser slid by on the road. Sheriff Toomey, Marcel said. She made a face. I guess things are wrapping up. You know, he's Candy's stepdad. I did not know, Astrid said. He's not the most ethical officer, Marcel said, narrowing her eyes. When Astrid waited for her to continue, she added, just be careful of him. Astrid snorted indignantly. Is there anyone I don't have to be careful of in this town? No one else springs to mind, actually, Marcel said lightly. She shrugged. I mean, I'm pretty nice. But you'll forgive me if I'm not, like, your BFF best friend forever, tomorrow. Or if I neglect to acknowledge you at all. Don't wig out. It's nothing personal. Totally, Astrid said, already smarting. It seemed so lame to admit it, but she wanted friends. She really had imagined that maybe people in elsewhere would be impressed with her, would think she was cool. 
although not quite so cool that they'd think she was up for assassinating someone. I am really sorry about what happened in the cafeteria, Marcel said when they got closer to Astrid's house. And by the way, my mom is Mrs. Monroe. You know, your earth science teacher? Oh, Astrid said. Weird. Yeah. And you do know, don't you, that Candy's in that class too? She's in my earth science class? How do you even know? I know because she takes earth science every year and torments my mother. But why? Astrid asked. And she wasn't in class yesterday or today. Does she not have to attend? Does anyone? Marcel asked vaguely. It's a long story. But I thought you should be aware. Thanks, I guess. Suddenly, Astrid's front door flew open. She saw Cecile framed in the doorway. Astrid, she called. Astrid saw right away that something was wrong. Cecile looked at Marcel and then gestured to Astrid to come inside. Thanks again, Astrid called over her shoulder to Marcel as she bounded up the porch steps toward her sister, whose face was pale, her eyes wide with shock. What is it? Is it mom? What's wrong? That man, Cecile said. Inside the door, Cecile put her arms around Astrid and leaned into her. What man? The guy in the dunk tank. What about him? He drowned. Chapter Nine. Astrid calmed her sister down and, sitting and drinking warm milk at the kitchen table, learned what she'd missed when she left the carnival. Cecile said that at first she'd had fun with her friend Roberta, eating cotton candy and going on the Ferris wheel again and even dancing. She'd noticed the line at the dunk tank and she and Roberta had walked over. They'd actually each taken a shot too and dunked the guy, Charles. And then they watched as four guys in particular kept taking turns hitting the target, dunking Charles over and over. It was pathetic and scary. Cecile said. As soon as Charles would begin to pull himself up, someone would hit the target and the seat would fall, dumping him back into the water. We could see how weak he was getting, how each time it was even harder for him to pull himself up. Cecile shuddered. There wasn't even that much water in the tank, but he was so exhausted and cold and wet. Astrid covered her sister's hand with her own. I can't understand why the guys kept throwing the balls. It was obvious Charles was not okay, that he was in distress. But the guys who were throwing the balls, they'd throw three, hit the target each time, then get back in line, almost like robots. They didn't even look like they were happy about it. This one guy's eyes, it was almost like he was begging us to stop him. It was like they all had to do it, Cecile said. Apparently, Roberta's mother had dragged the girls away, but it was too late. As they left, they heard a woman screaming that Charles was dead. They killed him, Cecile told Astrid. In front of everyone. Astrid shook her head. Candy, she asked. Was Candy there? Cecile shook her head. I didn't see her. Do you think the police will want to talk to me? Do you think, because Roberta and I did it too? Astrid, although she'd only lived in elsewhere a couple of weeks, 
was pretty sure that the police wouldn't be talking to anyone. Chapter 10 Astrid woke the next morning to hear her mother and sister up and moving downstairs. Although she was immediately flooded with anxiety about going to school, she remembered with relief that it was Saturday. And then she remembered with renewed dread that she was expected at the sweet shop that day. She couldn't imagine why. Perhaps this was yet another school-sponsored death trap. She joined her mother in the kitchen, gathered her breakfast, and stood, shoving cereal into her mouth as she tried to get some reception on the black and white TV they'd set on the Formica countertop. I kind of can't believe this, Astrid mumbled, mouth full. Her mother scowled in disapproval. Astrid swallowed, watching her mother with what she hoped read as defiance. The TV in the living room gets channel seven, I think, her mother said. Oh, well, life in the valley, she smiled brightly. I want my MTV, Astrid grumbled. She drank some bitter coffee, frowning. Then she asked, can't we get a satellite dish or something? Those are expensive, her mother said, not looking at her, bustling about, sticking papers, apples, and pens into her leather satchel. You're going into work today? On a Saturday? Astrid asked. Yeah, her mother said apologetically, finally stopping and looking at her. I have some loose ends I need to tie up. You'll watch Cecile? Astrid looked at her mother with an open mouth to signal just how put out she was. I don't think she wants to be alone today, her mother said, more severely. We've spoken about that horrible accident she witnessed last night. I think she's still shaken up. Astrid let the word accident pass. I'm okay, said Cecile, who'd just entered the kitchen. And I don't really need to be watched. Still, her mother said, you need to spend time with your sister, Astrid. Unless you had other plans, she asked sarcastically, her shifting tone a barometer of her waning patience. It's fine, Astrid said. We'll watch TV. Oh, I forgot. That's impossible. Read a book, her mother shot back. It won't kill you. Ignoring Astrid's scowl, she continued, take Cecile to the library, and then maybe you can stop at the market. I left a list and some cash. It would help me out if you girls could pick up some food. Astrid maintained her stormy glower, but her sister, sitting at the kitchen table, smiled. I do actually have plans. I have to go to the sweet shop, Astrid told her mother. Something for school. I'll go with you, Cecile offered. You have my office number if you need anything, their mother said, already half checked out of the conversation. I'll be home for dinner. She turned to Cecile. I told Astrid we should go to the movies tonight. Cool, Cecile exclaimed. Her mother looked at Astrid expectantly. That movie, what is it, Eye of the Tiger, is playing. Didn't you want to see that? Tiger Warsaw, footnote, 1988, a movie so bad, it's good, Astrid said icily. That's right. Astrid really wanted to appear above it all and was annoyed at her own excitement to see the latest Patrick Swayze movie. Her mother circled the kitchen island, 
kissing each of them on the tops of their heads. Be good, she said, before heading to the front door. Want to go into the city, do some shopping? Or should we hang out in the park? Or maybe just chill at home and watch Saturday morning cartoons? Astrid asked. Oh, that's right. We can't do any of those things. This is a flowers in the attic type situation. Don't look at me like that, Cecile. I'm not into you that way. Gross, Cecile said. What is wrong with you? Chapter 11 Astrid made her best attempt to be nicer to Cecile as they walked down the two-lane country road toward town, the sun burning off the dew that had settled overnight, and the air filled with the hum of distant lawn mowers. Her sister, who seemed to have mostly recovered from the events at the carnival, stopped every few minutes to pick up a rock. Astrid would remark, nice one, or that's a keeper, and try to smile. Astrid cleared her throat. So, you know, last night when I left, I met this girl Marcel, and she took me to the ruins of an old stone house. There were definitely some interesting rocks there. I'll take you sometime if you want. Maybe later? Yeah, Cecile said, unable to play it cool. Astrid wondered, not for the first time, if it was only their basic natures that set the sisters apart. Cecile's default mode seemed to be optimistic and upbeat. It was the way she was made. And she herself, Astrid thought, always seemed to default in the other direction, pessimistic and annoyed. She hadn't always been such a pill, had she? Astrid could remember being happy, although that all seemed so long ago now. To feel like that again seemed impossible. Why do you think you have to go to the sweet shop anyway? Cecile asked as Main Street came into view. Is it like a school assignment? I really don't know, Astrid said, the dread settling around her shoulders like an uncomfortable cloak. It was only mid-morning, but already oppressively humid. Astrid felt the sweat collecting in her lower back. Let's go to the market first, she said, aware that she was simply postponing the inevitable. They walked in silence down the empty street. It was so hot that the air above the asphalt appeared wavy, the way it gets over a campfire. Do you think everyone's indoors because it's so gross out? Cecile ventured. Astrid shrugged. This place is like the twilight freaking zone. She wouldn't have been surprised to see a tumbleweed blow by. There were, in fact, other people milling about inside Pete's, the general store slash pizza place slash video rental center, which was why when Cecile elbowed her and pointed with incredulity at the huge, cheesy glamour shot of candy that hung in the front of the store, Astrid limited herself to a discreet eye roll. This place is so whack, she murmured to Cecile. After collecting the items on their mother's list, they met up in the far corner of the store next to the metal racks of video rentals. Footnote, before Netflix and streaming, people used to rent video cassettes that they could play on their home VCRs. It wasn't that bad, really. After much debate, they selected two. The Lost Boys, which Astrid had been dying to see, and Dirty Dancing, which of course they'd already seen, but which they agreed was worth watching again. Footnote, Astrid clearly had a thing for Patrick Swayze, which she was not ready to talk about.
Only when they were safely on the street did Cecile burst out laughing. That portrait of Candy, she hooted. Had you ever noticed that before? Was that always there? Astrid laughed too, although more quietly. She was afraid somehow that someone would see them, that the man from the market would come out and scold them. What? Cecile said, looking at her sister. Is something wrong? The sisters continued down Main Street. Astrid shook her head. I'm just creeped out. She is pretty scary, Cecile said, looking at her sister sideways. Have you, like, talked to her? In a way, Astrid said. She took a scrunchie from her wrist and put her hair in a messy bun. The back of her neck was damp, in a clammy way that made her shiver, even in the heat. I kind of feel like, she began. She shook her head, preemptively dismissing her next statement. I kind of feel like she did something to me. Did something to you? Astrid shrugged. I'm just being crazy, she said. She swirled her pointer finger next to her head. I'm in an elsewhere state of mind. She pulled open the door to the candy shop, ending the conversation. Cheerful and brightly lit, the shop smelled like vanilla. Pop music, Milli Vanilli, played softly on hidden speakers. The front section was filled with rows and rows of colorful candies and clear plastic bins, or in wicker baskets lined with pastel paper. Toward the back was an old-fashioned soda fountain bar and several booths. Before Astrid had a chance to look any further, Cecile gasped. What? Astrid said, her heart jumping. Look, Cecile said, pointing to a shelf to the right, above a row of various fancy chocolate bars. It was the same photo they had seen in the grocery, but this one was surrounded by other pictures and ribbons and mementos, like a shrine. A cardboard display sign had the word candy written out in gumdrops next to an enormous glass bowl filled with M&M candies. Astrid peered in and blinked, realizing that each M&M was emblazoned with the same tiny image of candy. Astrid picked one up and held it out to Cecile. They were squinting at the M&M when a bright voice called, hello. Astrid turned to see Mayor Clifton barreling toward them. Welcome to the sweet shoppy, she cried. She pronounced it, Astrid couldn't help but notice, shop E. Astrid quickly placed the candy back in the bowl and turned. Hi, she said politely, unable to keep a note of wonder out of her voice. Hi. Cecile said. I see you've found our dedicated candy shelf, Mayor Clifton said cheerfully, smiling. Her bright red lips contrasted sharply with the startling, headache-inducing yellow of her hair. She was wearing a pink halter top that tied around her neck, a denim skirt, and tan platform sandals. Kind of a cute outfit if you were 17 and lived in Hazard County, Astrid thought. Footnote. The Dukes of Hazard was a popular TV show, 1979 to 1985, and later a movie, 2005. Character Daisy Dukes' sexy ensembles have been immortalized in the term Daisy Dukes to mean short shorts. At first glance, the woman appeared youthful, but up close, Astrid could tell that she was their mom's age or maybe older.
That's my girl, the woman cried, picking up a handful of the loose M&Ms and then holding one out for Astrid to see. Yes, that's right, my beauty, help yourself. She popped the candy candy into her mouth. Astrid felt at once slightly relieved. At least she had an almost legitimate reason for the over-the-top adoration, and immediately terrified. She wondered, with rising panic, if Candy was actually there in the store at that very moment. We actually saw her photo in the grocery store, too, Cecile said. Oh, sure, Mayor Clifton said. Kenny just loves Candy. Everyone does, of course. Most places around here have some kind of picture of her up. Have you been to the library? They have the most elegant oil painting of our girl from when she was about 11, right over the fireplace. We used to have the painting in our house, but Candy didn't like it anymore, and I said, please, honey, please don't make me get rid of it. How about I donate it to the library? And she is so generous, she said, fine, mother. She joked that she never goes in the library anyway, so she doesn't have to look at it, but everyone else can enjoy it. Mayor Clifton laughed shrilly. And it was good for the library, too. It's good for Candy to feel an investment in the library. Simply heating that old building is a drain on our taxes. And we wouldn't want her to, we wouldn't want her to have to close it down. She looked at Astrid and Cecile, as if waiting for them to agree. Stunned, they regarded her blankly. She charged ahead. Now. I wanted to make sure that I got a chance to meet you, Astrid, and to welcome you personally to else, to Candyland. Taking Astrid by surprise, she poked playfully with a long red fingernail. Astrid backed into a shelf, knocking over a display of Pop Rocks candy. Astrid stooped to pick up the scattered pouches and, upon rising, felt lightheaded. She supposed the humidity really was getting to her, and, after putting the pop rocks down, steadied herself with a hand on the shelf. Candy's mother didn't seem to notice her discomfort, and she prattled on, rearranging the candies. I did see you were at the carnival last night. That was good. Although that was a terrible tragedy. What happened to Charles? I mean, no one knew that would happen. Although, he did have an underlying heart condition. Did you know that? Of course you didn't. But anyway, she waved a well-manicured hand dismissively. I also heard that you met my candy the other day. You two didn't get off on the right foot, so to speak. She laughed shrilly. She leaned in conspiratorially. So, I thought we'd go ahead and try a do-over. You'll just apologize, and then we girls can sit down and get to know each other a little better over some hot fudge Sundays. Nothing, Astrid thought glumly, was less appealing. Mayor Clifton continued, Candy's at home, probably still sleeping, so you'll stay and wait. Astrid's skin was clammy, and her stomach made a weird, grumbling noise. She smiled weakly, not sure what to do or say. Suddenly. Astrid didn't know if she could stomach Candy's mother for another minute, literally. I think we have to go, Astrid stuttered. Oh, that's out of the question. Mayor Clifton let out another burst of unhinged laughter, 
and began grabbing wildly at the chocolate bars and oversized lollipops that surrounded them. What kind of candy can I interest you girls in? On the house. The woman's insanity, her almost hysterical enthusiasm for her own daughter, her red lips and the sweet smell from the machine spinning cotton candy was terrifying and excessive. Astrid's eyes shot around the room, searching for the fastest escape route. I'm sorry, Astrid squeaked, angling her face away and looking out the window. I'm not feeling well. I think I have to go. Have to go? Mayor Clifton shrieked. She frowned and deep lines emerged next to her mouth. Astrid gave her sister a beseeching look. What's wrong? Cecile asked softly, peering up at her. I don't know, Astrid said, looking at her sister, then at the door. I think I might be coming down with something. No, 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 Mayor Clifton barked. Still clutching handfuls of treats, she walked over and placed her scrawny body in front of the door. Please, just wait a little longer. Candy will be so angry, I mean, disappointed, if she finds out you didn't wait. Astrid was torn between an undeniable urge to flee and a desire not to offend. It wasn't that she disliked Mayor Clifton, but she was somehow repellent, like a stray dog with an oozing infection. She felt sorry for her, but she didn't want to be around her. I'm sorry, Astrid said again, overcome by queasiness. Excuse me. Mayor Clifton was still standing there, blocking the door. Cecile moved toward the older woman and gently touched her arm. We've got to go, she explained. We'll be back, she said soothingly. Just tell your daughter that my sister got sick, but that we promise to come back another time. Okay? Mayor Clifton seemed to be listening carefully to Cecile. She nodded. Okay, she said. She stepped aside, but it was too late. Astrid couldn't hold it in anymore. She turned away from Mayor Clifton and Cecile and threw up all over the candy shelf. Chapter 12 it was Sunday afternoon, 30 hours later, when Astrid finally felt well enough to debrief with Cecile. I thought she was going to have a heart attack, like literally, Cecile said. Her face got so red, and there was this vein pulsing in her neck. Astrid laughed weakly and then groaned. Oh my God, Cecile, the whole thing was so humiliating. And that bowl of M&Ms, I mean, it looked like a bowl of cereal after you- Stop it, Astrid gasped, clutching her stomach. She closed her eyes, trying to push away the image of candy M&Ms floating in vomit. You're going to make me puke again. They were sitting on the couch in the living room. Astrid had been relieved to discover that she actually was sick, that it wasn't the sweet shop itself that made her throw up, but that she had somehow contracted a stomach virus. She'd been miserable for the rest of that day, wearing a path between her bed and the bathroom and intimately acquainting herself with the toilet in their new house. Cecile and her mother made half-hearted attempts to minister to her, but neither could conceal their disgust. No one in their family had good bedside manner. Astrid had told them to go ahead with their plan to go to the movies that Saturday night, 
that she would be alternately sleeping and puking anyway. But they'd returned a half hour after leaving, drenched from a sudden storm, saying that the theater was sold out. Apparently, you have to get your tickets in advance, Cecile had told Astrid as she sat, somehow sweaty and freezing at the same time, next to the toilet. It was like a Hollywood opening. People were so serious about the whole thing, and everyone gave us the cold shoulder. Cecile looked at her sister. It was a little weird, she confessed. Astrid frowned and then lurched over the toilet. It was the following afternoon that Astrid was able to nibble on some crackers and make her way downstairs to the couch to watch TV with Cecile. They were in the middle of The Lost Boys, which Astrid was truly enjoying, when the doorbell rang. The sisters looked at each other. Their mother was at work. They didn't really know anybody in town. They hadn't ordered food, weren't expecting anyone. Because of the movie, Astrid first imagined vampires asking to be invited in. That wouldn't be the worst thing, if said vampires looked like Jason Patrick or Kiefer Sutherland. Footnote, two of the stars of this excellent 1987 film. Her mind, though, then next turned to the possibility of Mayor Clifton come to check on her, bearing M&Ms imprinted with Candy's face. She shuddered. Should we just not answer it? Astrid proposed. Her baby sister assumed the adult role. That's ridiculous, she said, but there was an edge to her voice. Of course you should answer it. Why me? Because I'm only 12. You're turning 13 in like 15 minutes, Astrid retorted. And I'm not dressed, she said, indicating her sweatpants and ratty t-shirt. Um, you've actually left the house in that exact outfit several times, Cecile pointed out. With more urgency, she hissed, hurry up. I'm sick, Astrid protested. Cecile sighed rose and walked to the entryway. Astrid waited on the couch, concealed from sight. She heard the door swinging open and a woman's voice ringing out. Hi, sweetie, I'm Denise Alexiades from next door. This is my son, Vince. Is your mom around? Oh, hi, no, she's not here, but come in, I'm Cecile. Knowing she would be visible in a moment, Astrid heaved herself off the couch and padded toward the door. A tall, dark-haired mom-type person stepped into the house, followed by a tall boy. The guy, Vince, turned to face Astrid, and her poor, beleaguered stomach fell through the floor and landed with a thud in the damp basement. He had brown hair and icy blue eyes, an angular face, and a slim but fit physique. He had a long scar across one cheek, Astrid couldn't help but gape momentarily. But even with the scar, or perhaps because of it, he was totally amazing looking. Astrid almost laughed out loud. He really could have been one of the sexy vampires from the Lost Boys. And then, of course, she remembered her disheveled, unshowered, sweat-pantsed self. And then, remembering her recent humiliation in the cafeteria and Subsequent loss of control at the sweet shop, her stomach dropped even lower. Through the basement, the sediment below the house, the earth's crust, then mantle, before landing with a thud in the planet's molten core. 
Astrid had just read about the layers of the earth in her earth science textbook, Mrs. Monroe would have been proud. Mrs. Alexiades smiled. Hi there, she said to Astrid. We're so happy to have new neighbors. She was carrying a tray of foil-covered food, which she briskly handed to Cecile, her many plastic bracelets clicking together cheerfully. There was no one in the house for so long. It was kind of sad. We were so pleased when we heard it was sold. Yep, Astrid said, lamely. Here we are. Astrid leaned against the wall and looked down at her feet. Naturally, her socks didn't match. That's a ziti, Mrs. Alexiades said to Cecile. It can be frozen if you want to save it. Wow, Cecile smiled holding the tray in front of her like an old-fashioned vendor at a baseball game. The ziti smelled delicious, and, as if her gnarly appearance wasn't embarrassing enough, Astrid's empty stomach audibly growled. She winced. We will definitely eat this tonight, Cecile said, smiling at her sister before marching off toward the kitchen. Thanks so much, Astrid said, making a conscious decision to act more like a normal human being. I'm sorry I'm not dressed. I was sick. We heard, Mrs. Alexiades said. Vince nodded affably. You heard? Astrid asked weakly. It's a small town, Mrs. Alexiades said. Astrid sighed. Yeah, it was pretty dramatic, I guess. Hopefully you're on the mend, Mrs. Alexiades said. And you'll be back at school tomorrow? You're a senior? She raised her eyebrows, all mom enthusiasm. Astrid tried to muster some enthusiasm of her own. Yep. Vince, too, she said, still smiling. Vince bobbed his head in a studiously indifferent way, as though he were listening to some music no one else could hear. Astrid wondered if he was capable of speech. Cool, Astrid said letting her gaze rest on the wall behind Mrs. Alexiades's head and trying to sound bored. Vince thought he was studiously indifferent. She'd show him studiously indifferent. And you've settled in okay? Mrs. Alexiades asked. Uh-huh, Astrid said. I'm sure you miss your home in Queens. Yeah, Astrid confirmed, snapping back into the conversation. I'm actually heading back. Next weekend? when we have the day off for Rosh Hashanah. Seeing the questioning expression on Mrs. Alexiades's face, Astrid said, the Jewish holiday? Is that so, Mrs. Alexiades said, her smile strained. I'm sure that will be nice. Before Astrid had time to wonder if Mrs. Alexiades's reaction was evidence of anti-Semitism, she threw a curveball. Vince, maybe you'll walk Astrid to school in the morning, you two probably leave around the same time. That's okay, Astrid said to Vince. You don't have to. I like to be early anyway. Rather than assuring her that leaving early would be no problem, Vince simply stood there, saying nothing. Astrid saw him shoot a look at his mother, which his mother ignored. Cecile returned, taking her place beside Astrid. No, it's no problem, Vince's mother insisted after a pause. Vince likes to be early, too. He clearly does not want to walk me to school, Astrid thought. Why can't she leave it alone? Really, Astrid said. It's fine, 
Mrs. Alexiades started. Cecile's head turned from person to person, as though she were watching a tennis match. Mom, Vince interrupted. He speaks, Astrid thought. She doesn't want me to walk her to school, okay? Well, it's not that, Astrid said. They all spoke over each other, awkwardly stopping and starting. I just, Astrid said, of course, Vince's mom said. I think it's settled then, Vince interrupted again. He took a deep breath. I'm not walking you to school, he said. Nice to meet you, he said in a way that suggested that it hadn't been nice at all. He turned and opened the door for his mother. Mrs. Alexiades looked embarrassed and annoyed. Seeing that she wasn't going to walk through the door as invited, Vince gave a quick nod and then stalked out of the house and down the porch steps without waiting for her. Teenagers, Mrs. Alexiades said to no one in particular. Am I right? Who am I asking? Anyway, it's good to have another, I don't know, non-traditional. She took a breath. You know, she said. I am a single mom too. Oh. Astrid said, agreeably. Just heat and eat, she said, nodding toward the kitchen. She patted Astrid's arm and sighed. Give your mom my best. Will do, Astrid said with false cheer. Bye, girls. Bye, Cecile called as Astrid shut the door. That was rude, Astrid said. Cecile furrowed her brow, confused. I hate it when neighbors bring us food she said. The nerve. I meant the guy. The hunk, Cecile said. Yeah, he wasn't very friendly. Astrid shook her head. Whatever, I'm not into preppy. Cecile shrugged and headed to the couch. And non-traditional? Astrid continued, rolling her eyes. Is divorce non-traditional now? Cecile shrugged. We're not in the city anymore, she said. Astrid flopped on the couch dramatically. You can say that again, she said, picking up the remote and nodding at the TV. This place is even freakier than Santa Carla. Chapter 13. Astrid would have more deeply resented Vince's resistance to walking her to school if she'd not already resolved to no longer attend school. That is, after her humiliation in the cafeteria, persecution in the hallways, and bizarre encounter at the sweet shop, Astrid had no intention of returning to Elsewhere High. She told herself she'd get a GED. She'd do correspondence courses by mail. Footnote, before the internet, distance education meant using the U.S. Postal Service to mail course materials back and forth. She called the school each day and impersonated her mother, telling Mrs. Spicer, Astrid's still not feeling like herself. I'm going to keep her home and make sure she gets her rest. Mrs. Spicer sounded bored each time Astrid called. Truancy apparently wasn't a big deal in elsewhere. Almost immediately, cutting out and staying home was at once hellishly boring and soothingly familiar. On the third day after Cecile and her mother departed, Astrid did actually leave the house, heading into the woods. She was looking for the remains of the stone house that Marcel had brought her to, but she became impossibly lost, and after wandering for an hour, sweaty and panicked, she realized that she had somehow wound up 
behind the school. Keeping the creepy old building in sight, she was able to make her way home. After that, she didn't leave the house at all. Each morning, she pretended to get ready for school before returning to bed once the house was empty. Then she set an alarm for 3 p.m. so that she'd be awake when Cecile got back. And on the off chance that her mother might make an appearance before dinner time, she never did. At night, when Cecile and her mother were asleep, she watched whatever she could find on late night TV, which wasn't much, obsessively checked her hair for split ends, cutting off offenders with kitchen scissors, and made extensive to-do lists for the next day, outlining all the small actions, read for English, do 100 jumping jacks, dub tapes for Marcel, start rock tumbler, that she believed would add up to big improvements in her life, and that without fail, she would not do. During the hours she spent horizontal, either on her bed or the couch, she dreamt about going to college in a galaxy far, far away. But in thinking of the future, she often found herself revisiting the past. One night, around 10 or 11 o'clock, she grudgingly turned to the college applications that she'd gotten in the mail. Every school wanted an essay, an accounting for the gap in her grades for her year of homeschooling. Astrid was terrified of having to account for herself. But she tried. She got the typewriter out of the closet. Her mother had an Apple Macintosh that she used for work, but Astrid eschewed computers, preferring the clatter and drama of the typewriter. She inserted a sheet of blindingly white paper. She typed, although I was homeschooled from my junior year, I am actually a very hardworking student. Not true. She ripped the sheet of paper out, crumbled it up, and threw it to the floor. She inserted a new sheet. I would be an asset to your college because I am a kind person who is a good citizen. Demonstrably not true. Another new sheet. I have always wanted to help other people, and going to your school will allow me to pursue my dream of becoming a doctor. Footnote, insert eye roll here. Astrid was known to literally pass out at the sight of blood. She believed that pretending to want to study medicine would make people take her seriously. Another new sheet. You should let me in because I'm a terrible person, and I did something really bad not just once, but several times, over and over again. Now we're getting somewhere. It's possible you heard about the case. It was a slow news week, and someone caught wind of a tragedy at the elite high school I attended. It was in the papers for a few days. There was a lot of gleeful reporting about my expulsion. It wasn't fair. I was totally the scapegoat. Cross that out. Fine, I probably deserved it. It was my show, so to speak. I was the ringleader. You don't want to know all the details. Really, you don't. They are boring, banal, the same old high school nonsense. But here's the short version. There was a boy that I liked a lot. It seemed like he liked me too, but there was a problem. The boy had a girlfriend. I thought I was in love with him. I know, it sounds stupid now. I hate myself for even writing it, but I did. I thought if I could only make him my boyfriend, I would be happy, that everything else in my life would fall into place. God, I've gone on too long already. I hope you're still reading, because it does get more interesting. I came up with a plan. It was twofold. The first part was to get the guy. 
And the second part was really supposed to just support the first, but it got out of hand and became its own thing. The second part was to ruin the girl's life. And I was really so very brilliant, inventive, and creative when it came to that second part. Astrid ripped the paper out. She was about to ball it up and add it to the pile beside her, but instead she lay it flat on the table. She read it again. This kind of essay would obviously never get her into college. Who would accept a confessed sociopath? She hadn't meant for the thing with Evie to go as far as it had. She obviously hadn't thought that Evie would wind up doing what she did. And even though Astrid had really liked the boy, Patrick, once she got him, it turned out that he was kind of dumb and maybe even cruel. He was terrible to Evie too, and nothing had happened to him. He just skated off. He'd get to graduate with everyone else this year. And here was Astrid, exiled to a weird upstate town ruled by a tyrannical teenager. It wasn't fair, Astrid thought. She put her head on the table and cried hot, angry tears, thinking about her life back in Queens and missing her friends, but also remembering how everyone had turned on her once the word spread that what had happened to Evie was Astrid's fault. She hated being trapped in elsewhere. There was, however, the faintest glimmer of hope on the horizon. After corporate merger-level negotiations, Astrid's mother had consented to let Astrid take the Peter Pan bus downstate to stay with her aunt and uncle for the upcoming long weekend. Astrid thought, perhaps, she might lay it all out for her relatives, tell them what it was really like up and elsewhere. She could throw herself on their mercy. She'd beg them to let her stay with them, finish out high school on Long Island. It was a long shot, but Astrid perked up simply considering it. Maybe, just maybe, she'd escape elsewhere, mostly unscathed after all. Chapter 14 Astrid had her whole trip planned. She didn't have any friends to hang out with in the city anymore, but still, she hoped to go shopping and buy all the things that she couldn't get in elsewhere. She'd definitely get a haircut at the trendy and cheap salon that was literally underground at Astor Place, Astor Hair, and then she'd luxuriate at the cool shoe stores along 9th Street. She'd treat herself to some tapes at Tower Records, footnote, RIP Tower Records, 1960 to 2006, and then, hopefully, find some good concert bootlegs on the street. She wanted to impress Marcel. But it wasn't just the shopping she was looking forward to. She imagined the relief of simply laying her eyes on familiar and beloved surroundings. Anticipating seeing the city again made her yearn the way you yearn when you recognize someone's perfume and you wish you could inhale more deeply, hold on to it, capture it. She wanted tall buildings and concrete. She wanted rustling pigeons and the sound of the E-train whistling notes from West Side Story as it pulled out of the station. She wanted the warm, sweet smell of the radiators in their old apartment building. So that Saturday morning, after her week at home, when her alarm went off, she was ready to go. She quickly packed her toothbrush and hairbrush, gulped down some Smurf Berry Crunch cereal, and called, 
I'll wait outside. She grabbed her stuff and, sitting in the car, admired the beautiful old trees that hung over the driveway, their leaves tinged with gold and orange. It was the first cool and crisp fall day. Finally, her mother emerged, still carrying a steaming coffee mug, squinting in the bright sunlight until she remembered to take her sunglasses off the top of her head and put them on her face. She took one last sip and tossed out the coffee grinds before getting into the station wagon, saying, okie dokie. Astrid automatically rolled her eyes, so she turned her face to the passenger window. You said goodbye to your sister? Yes, Astrid lied. The car, as her mother turned the key in the ignition, strained, but did not start. What is happening? Astrid asked, alarmed into attention. Her mother turned the key repeatedly. Each time, the engine let out a high-pitched bleat. I'm not sure, her mother said, furrowing her brow. That doesn't sound good. Her mother checked to see that the car was in park, looked around helplessly, and then tried the ignition again. This time, the car made an even higher-pitched noise. Astrid's pulse accelerated. This cannot be happening, she said. Calm down, Astrid, her mother said, resting her hands on the steering wheel and looking hard at the dashboard. Let me think. I have to be on that bus at 9.45 a.m., Astrid said. The bus station was 19 miles away in the closest town, Cobalt. Astrid thought about it and quickly concluded that there was no way she could walk. She wondered if she could get there in time if she took her mother's bicycle. That is, if it even had air in its tires. I don't know what's wrong, honey, her mother said. Maybe the battery? I've never heard a sound quite like that before. I'm gonna have to call AAA. Astrid shook her head as though it were an etch-a-sketch that could be wiped clean with the movement. She punched the glove box and grunted in anger. I'll call a cab, Astrid said at last. There's got to be a cab company, right? She got out of the car and slammed the door shut. Intellectually, she knew the situation wasn't her mother's doing, but nevertheless, she was furious with her. Astrid suspected her mother would probably be happy if she missed the bus. She charged inside to consult the yellow pages. Footnote, a big book of phone numbers. She heard her mother come in and rifle around in the kitchen before she spoke to who Astrid assumed was AAA on the phone. When she'd hung up, Astrid went to the kitchen phone, acutely aware of the seconds ticking by, and called Country Cabs. Their ad claimed they served the Holiday Lake, Elsewhere, and Cobalt areas. It rang at least seven times before a woman answered. Hello? She sounded vaguely surprised that someone was calling. Hi, I need a cab to take me from Elsewhere to the Greyhound Station in Cobalt, please. The woman drawled. Everyone was so slow. We don't usually go into elsewhere, hun. But it says right here that you serve, Astrid began. Nope, she interrupted. Can't find anybody willing to drive all the way out there. Sorry. Astrid hung up on the dispatcher. She picked up the heavy yellow book and hurled it across the room. It hit the wall with a loud thunk before crashing to the floor, splayed open like a murdered bird. What was that? Her mother called from outside. Nothing, she shouted back. 
she pulled out the bus schedule. She could feel her escape, however brief, slipping away. There was one more bus to the city, and it left at 1.45 p.m. If she took that bus, she wouldn't get in until nighttime. Astrid didn't save her navigating Penn Station and Times Square after dark. But she could do it, she thought. She could take care of herself. The pervs and weirdos in midtown Manhattan were, Astrid considered, preferable to the mean and scary popular kids in elsewhere. She thought she could maybe ask their neighbor to drive her. She walked briskly to the front door, and when she opened it, she saw her mother and Cecile huddled together under a blanket on the porch swing, their breath making little puffs of mist in the air. She walked past them to the steps and, standing one step down, turned back to face them. I am sorry, Astrid, her mother preempted. I know how much this meant to you. I just don't know what's wrong with the car. I don't care about that, Astrid said, waving a hand dismissively. I want to take the 1.45 p.m. bus. Maybe Ms. Alexiades, her mother interrupted. The AAA guy will be here in an hour or so. Although I don't know what we'll do if they tow the car. I hope they can give me a loaner. I can't cancel class next week. Like, oh my God, this isn't about you, Astrid spat. Her mother tilted her head and looked at Astrid warningly. Calm down. I'm not gonna calm down, Astrid said shrilly. I just want to get out of here. Is that so hard to understand? Astrid saw her mother's expression shift from sympathetic to annoyed. She opened her mouth to respond when her eyes flicked over Astrid's shoulder. Astrid turned to see Vince, in E.H. sweatpants and a t-shirt, carrying his equipment bag and what looked like a stack of folders, coming up the driveway toward the house. Hey, he called. We saw you guys outside. Guess you're feeling better? he said specifically to Astrid. I'm fine, she answered nervously. Astrid stepped down and toward him, about to ask him about getting a ride when he held the folders out. Um, Barton wanted me to bring you your homework and stuff. I'm on my way to practice, so I can't stay. But, you know, here it is. He says he understands about you being sick this week, but not to let yourself get behind or whatever. What's this? Astrid's mother asked from the swing, the hello neighbor smile evaporating from her face. Nothing, Mom, Astrid said quickly. She grimaced at Vince and took the folder and book from his hand. He grimaced back an apology. Homework, her mother said. Thanks, Astrid said, turning and jogging up the porch steps. She had her hand on the front doorknob when her mother hissed, stop right there. Astrid froze, not turning. How many days, Astrid, her mother asked. How many days did you miss? When Astrid did finally look at her mother, she saw Vince's back as he beat a retreat. What? I didn't miss any days. I just, the curriculum here is different and, her mother rose. Astrid could see that she was on the verge of tears. Don't you lie to me she shouted. Don't you dare, not after what happened back home. Don't you lie to me. Astrid winced. Her mother lowered her voice. Her tone was part astonished, part furious. 
And you were trying to make me feel guilty? You and your self-righteous anger. And you deceived me this whole week? It wasn't... Astrid began, her voice trembling. I just didn't feel good. Stop lying, her mother said. Her eyes were big with rage. Mom, Astrid said, I'm sorry. She took a step toward her mother, her hand outstretched. I am, but... Don't, her mother hissed. No more excuses. Astrid saw that she was trembling. Get in the house, she growled. Now. Looks like elsewhere won't be so easy to escape after all. Standing up to Candy hasn't worked, but neither has trying to run away. What is Astrid going to do? Tune in to the next episode to see things take a real turn for Astrid. So don't forget to subscribe to CamCat Unwrapped. Tune in to hear all our audiobooks as we release them right here on CamCat Unwrapped as serialized podcasts. The first two episodes of every book can always be found here, but subsequent episodes will be available for free listening only for a short time after their release. After that, they'll be gone. But don't worry, the audiobooks are available for purchase on Audible and other major retailers. If you don't want to miss a beat, listen now on the audiobook platform of your choice. All our books are also available in print and ebook formats on camcatbooks.com or wherever books are sold. Before you go, please take a moment to leave us a review on your preferred podcast platform. Thank you! CamCat Unwrapped also offers other CamCat books as podcasts. Check out our interviews with authors, editors, and other bookworms in our background episodes where we unwrap exclusive content relating to our books. Tune in again to CamCat Unwrapped, because CamCat Unwrapped is where book lovers meet.